0: Coming up, I can't tell you what I did this month. Matt did some rodeo in the mud. Our wonderful assignment desk—you guys try to do stuff that we told you to do, and you basically just sucked. In masterclass, we are going to ask you to do something else, and hopefully, you listen. In pledge cues, people are asking questions, but not enough. Best crossgunner we had in a long time. Matt Cohen's in it. So, episode 54 is. this is View vocal shalom this is matt cohen welcome to big lens fast shutter where we demystify the world of sports photography and if you have forgotten and i know you haven't it is never too late to send a couple of bucks whatever currency you have our way since this is a hundred percent user-funded audio visual entertainment please go to patreon.com blfs and show us how much you love us because we are here to make you a better sports photographer news
1: news. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we
0: talk about ourselves because everybody else is anyway. Because I want to join the Matt Cohen haters group and own Facebook. We'll talk about that later on, but it's quite funny. Are well, you want to go or do you want to go? Uh,
1: no, I'll go. I had... <laughs> I had good shoots for the, well, let's let's say this. I had good conditions for good pictures for the for the whole month, but the worst shoot was definitely standing in about nine inches of standing water and mud. Oh yeah, you did that. That was yeah, good, huh? It, it made for good pictures, but man, was it ever miserable. I had full-on rain gear, which helped a little bit, but the mud and water was so high that it got inside of my mud boots, it was like walking around in fish tanks, which was, which was fun uh, and uncomfortable. And it was hell on gear and everything. But the pictures were pretty good. It rained pretty much everywhere I went this month, which (laughs) that will wear you down pretty quickly. But other than that, it was all good. Uh, I got to shoot in some great early morning light and some really challenging dark conditions which i guess we'll get to when we talk about d5s but no it was all good i'm I'm pretty happy with my month i tried a lot of things that i've been thinking about over the winter and other than being really tired it's all good
0: you know what i just realized my microphone is like set to the internal microphone that's okay i'll just finish this section even i always reset well you know whatever you know what i can't talk about anything that i did april because it's all uh I was going to say, like, DNR, which is like, do not resuscitate, which is wrong. It's (laughs) NDA. I really cannot, like, you know, I have clients that I I work for that I really cannot say anything. And this is really the one. So I can't say anything. So I did some shoot, but I can't tell you who and which team and which match and all that kind of stuff but saying that i think you probably already broke the nda just by talking about not talking about. probably but no one has to know don't. no no one knows even what i did or whatnot so it's even like it gets like it's to a point that like i'm gonna go to these matches right for a particular client and i can't tell anyone you know so i can't instagram i can't like tweet i can't put it on facebook i can't do anything So, it is kind of, like, it it is a bit frustrating because I do want to, like, talk about it and how it went and things like that. Oh, it's the worst.
1: It's the absolute worst. And sometimes you have to wait, like, nine months for it to come out. So, I don't know if I can
0: can ever talk about it because it's just kind of, like... you know. Oh, ever? I don't think so. Maybe a year. But, like, after a year, like, who cares, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm sorry about this. It's just kind of how it goes with these things sometimes. So, basically... Wow, this is the shittiest news ever. Basically... For for you, like list like all the listeners out there, I basically didn't do anything. We're just gonna keep it at that. So you know, I just gonna freeload it off whatever government money that Germany gives me. All right. So <laughs> sorry, it's not very exciting <laughs> guys. And uh, that's that's it for news. We gave you an assignment and you show us if you've been listening. Don't those off and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one. So we're going to have a look as we click away to our group and have a look at what people have done for assignment desk.
1: I in, in general, it's very easy to say what's going on here. Almost nobody got what we were talking about. These are crops. I don't care if this is as shot or whatever, but really what's going on is you shot from the same distance that you would shoot from ordinarily, maybe used a longer lens and maybe you cropped or whatever. It's digital zoom. The gist of it is I wanna see like the the one picture and and this is actually mm. a legitimately good picture, this one from Jim Summers photography of the bull rider's hand in in his glove. Uh, wrapped up in his bull rope. This is a legitimately good picture and look at this picture. You can see the grain of the leather, you can see the individual fibers of the bull rope, you can see the rosin where it's on his glove and sticking to the rope. You can see the the jagged edge of the athletic tape that's on his wrist. These are the details that we're talking about. So I think Jim is the only one that did this, right? I want to see stitching on the ball. I want to see the dimples on the football. I'm not talking about you cropped it in like this pole vaulting picture. There's no detail in this at all. What do I say? I want to see his individual eyelashes. That's detail, but you need to figure out a way to put that into a sports contest. The rest of these, you know, yes, it says RIP mom on his shoe, but you have four other pairs of shoes in this picture. So how could that be a detail? Yes, it is a detail, but you didn't show it photographically. What we're talking about is the gist of, you know, what you're shooting, like the essence of it, not this is just a closer look of what a regular sports photography picture should be at all. Like I want to see stitching and grains of sand and eyelashes, tears in jerseys and stuff like that. None of this except for Uh, Jim Summers is any of
0: that. I mean, I could, at the end of the day, it's a matter of equipment and distance, you know. Distance wise, you do have to get very, 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 very close, you know, because if you don't, I don't know, like, depends on obviously what kind of equipment you have, but you have to physically get close to the people. If you have a very, very long lens, even that, you have to get very, very close. So you can basically, like Matt, Matt said, you can see all the details of whatever you're going to be shooting. So, I don't know like how to say it because it, it could be an equipment problem that you don't have because usually like sports if you like higher the higher the level you get in terms of, like the level of um the athletes so like you know professionals and things like that, the worse access you're going to get. So it does it becomes very very difficult to get a very detailed shot because it, they are too far. It doesn't matter if you have a very long lens or not. If you are not physically close enough, you don't get details. And like Matt said, it is a matter of like, you know, being able to see like the pores of the skin and things like that. It's like, it's that kind of detail we're looking for. So the only way, only basically cheap way to do this is by physically getting very, very close to the athletes, which honestly you can do it. I, I mean, I can do it professional like level, you know, sports that I, I shoot so I don't understand why you cannot do it because most of the people who are shooting all these things are definitely not, it's not amateur, it's like, it's, you know, amateur level sports. So high school, basketball, college football, whatever, like, you know, or even like, you know, kid stuff.
1: Here, Here's here's an example. And, and it's not like the normal advice is if you're looking for better access, go shoot Little League or shoot a beer league, on, you know, on the weekend or something like that. But it doesn't even need to be that. You can be shooting at the highest level and still get this done. When I have to shoot baseball games or whatever, I get to the stadium two and a half or three hours before the game. And at that point, maybe the players are taking batting practice, but they're certainly not in the dugout. You can walk around in the dugout and take pictures of their bats that have their name on it. Their gloves are sometimes out there. Their batting helmets are there. There's usually a big hopper full of baseballs or something. You can get details in all of those things because there's nobody else around. You can use whatever lens you want. You can get as close as you possibly want to doing any of that kind of stuff. If you're shooting something lower level than that, you might have access to the players actually in the dugout, running onto and off the field. There's all kinds of ways. You just need to put yourself in position to do that these kind of pictures maybe aren't the kind of pictures that you're going to get every time out there but we gave you an assignment because what we were seeing is that people were doing the same thing full body shots really standard kind of stuff and when we're looking at somebody's portfolio and all the pictures look exactly the same the first thing that i think about is why aren't there any detail pictures in here you need to have that variety in your portfolio, you need to be able to show people that you can think like that and execute on it. These are important and yes, you have to be far away from Major League Baseball players when the game is actually going on, but there's time before and time after, there's equipment, there's all kinds of things you can do. You need to use your head to figure out a way to get yourself in position to get those shots, that's it. Yeah, this is not a good effort at all. Like, you know, I don't know, it could possibly be that we didn't explain Well, enough, I'm willing to take uh, some of the weight for that. But now we're telling you what you're doing wrong. And I want to see pictures coming into the group that are more like the one that Jim did, which this is a legitimately good picture. Like, I'm totally fine with this as a picture outside of this assignment you can't say that about any of these other pictures at all so now that you know what we're looking at like that we want to see the grain of the leather I want you to go back out and do this this isn't going to be an assignment desk for a while but it doesn't mean that you can't go out and do it anyway I want to see it
0: that's it for um, assignment desk and your next month assignment will be revealed in the next section because that will be what masterclass right that is right masterclass so there you go Did we make a difference in your life? Go to patreon.com slash blfs and pledge for us or to us or towards us or whatever. But uh, yeah, go to patreon.com and that's patreo dot com b-l-f-s. In math class, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears you got something to say? Tell us at biglensfastshutter.com. We have decided, which is going to be your assignment desk topic for next month, and that is going to be wide angle and as close as possible. Uh, the reason we are doing this is because you, know, you sucked at the other assignment de- desk so bad that we need to physically put you in a position that you can actually get some details. And I think the best way that we came up with is that you take a wide angle lens because wide angle lens tend to have a bit more of um, leeway with the distance, uh, focus distance and you can probably get much closer than a, a long one. It will m- basically kind of a, it's a, bit, a, bit, a bit of practice for you to not be afraid of the athletes or whatever it is, like just try to get as close as possible.
1: The larger point that we're making here is we're trying to work you at either end of the spectrum. And the reason is because you need to find out what the limits are so that you can figure out what look you like and what look is going to work. So details, you know, as close up as you can get with as much detail as you can. And now we're talking about getting close with a wider lens. When you're doing this, you're going to explore the boundaries of what looks good and what works. This is what we're going to be trying to do all the time because too many people are just splitting it right down the middle and it's boring
0: some um, a very important technique as a sports photographer to be able to physically go close no matter how you know you say we uh, we can talk about the uh matt cohen well we'll talk about the matt cohen fiasco later on but the main thing is that uh, matt's been criticized by other preeminent rodeo photographer saying that if you have a 400 why are you getting so close like physically to the action we can see it really that if you shoot something with a long lens very far away it's quite flat you know as you can see it really is quite flat and you don't really get much details because the things are you know really far away physically and it does look a lot closer through a 400 but really not close enough to see all the details therefore We ask you that you take, I don't know, should we like say wide angle, like up to like what?
1: Um, 34, 38. Below 50. Yeah, below 50 is good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, below 50 is fine. So you got a zoom lens and whatnot. Just make sure it's like not like 75, just below 50. And by all means, you know, we will have obviously an exception. If you use like 75 and you get a really great detail shot, send that to us as well. Because the whole purpose of the, this, this thing is that you are getting physically closer to your subject and you're getting all the details as much as possible. And wide angle is a lot easier than you know, to focus on everything.
1: I, I think it's important. You have to always question why things are how they are because it leads to a deeper understanding of what you're trying to do. Nobody wants to shoot with a 400, right? It's very expensive it's heavy you can't move around as much you're either going to have very tired arms or you're going to have to shoot it on a monopod you know it doesn't zoom like these are all things that make it a pain in the ass to use the reason you use them is because that's how you get the pictures in other situations where in situations where other lenses wouldn't get it done the i think the best point that i could make about this is that when you go to a pro football game or a high-level college football game, the professional photographers there are going to be using 400 2.8s, every single one of them. And if it's a daytime game or something like that, there's no reason at all that somebody couldn't be using, you know, like a four – I think they make 400 5.6 or something like that. Like, you could do it. There's plenty of light. The 400 will get you the distance that you need to shoot football. But there's a reason that nobody shoots at f 5.6 and that's because way too much of the background comes into the picture when you're shooting at 5.6, right? So the solution to that is shooting at 2.8, where the depth of field is way shallower, and whatever is going on in the crowd and the sponsor billboards and all that kind of stuff is not going to distract from the picture. There are limits to that because if you're shooting something where the background is closer to the subject than you are to the subject, the background's gonna come in. So I can't go to a rodeo and shoot a 400 from 40 yards away when I'm shooting bulls because the bulls only come out 10 feet from the bucking shoots. So if I were to do that, the background would be just as in focus as the bulls. Distracting, doesn't make for good looking pictures. I don't wanna make those pictures, period. You do have to know, like just having a 400 doesn't solve all your problems. You have to know when you're in position to use it. Well, if I'm shooting roping and the action ends up taking place uh, 30 yards away from where the roping shoots are, and I'm 30 yards away from the action or 20 yards away from the action, it's fine. The background is going to be completely out of focus. But if the difference is 10 feet from the background, there you can't do it. So what do you do? You change the game, okay? You want to use a wider lens and get closer to the action because at that point in time, you're reducing your distance from the subject and increasing the relative distance from the subject to the background. This is how you get better pictures. This is how you get details and this is how you avoid distracting backgrounds. Shoot from the side, shoot from the top, shoot from anywhere you can to get rid of those backgrounds because like I said, sometimes the longest lens you have isn't going to do that. Part of this is decision-making. Where do you want to be? What lens do you want to have? And what we're seeing way too often, like the people who insist on shooting the whole length of a uh, soccer field on a corner kick or something like that, when you're at the opposite goal line, you could have an 800 F2 and that's still not going to look good. It's just not. That's the laws of physics and the rules of photography absolutely prohibit that.
0: That's it. All right. So wide and close. That's the next one. Wide and Here at the uh, BLFS, we have this uh, service called Critical Beatdown, and it is a portfolio review service. What we do is that you give us $100 American, not like whatever Canadian, you know, it's a bit less, I think. $100 American would actually do. And you send us 15 of your best photos that you have, you know, for us to have a look. And both Matt and I will do a video review of all your photos, all 15 of them, not the entire collection, just the 15. And you will be able to, A, keep it private so no one else sees this besides you. I mean, we get to see it, but, you know, just basically you. Or you can um, have it go public so the other BLF um, listeners can see it as well. That is uh, Critical Beatdown. If you're interested in it, please contact us via Facebook page or via Flickr. That would probably be the best way to do it. So that is Critical Beatdown, our premium paid service portfolio review of the probably the best kind in the world. So let's pledge cues. Just a brief explanation some people who have decided to pledge for our great noble cause which is supporting Big Lens Fast Shutter. Over ten dollars and up per month you get to ask a question to us per month, you know, that's really quite nice. And we answer them because, you know, you give us money. It's very simple. And I don't know. More people should be asking questions. It's really weird that people don't, but hey, whatever, you know, it's it's you really are lost if you don't want to call, ask us more questions. The first question is by Nin Lei, and this is what he said. This is a rather basic question. Do you use the center cursor only uh, in parentheses, with D9 or D21 focus setting with Nikon bodies for fast-moving objects, or do you use one of the outer cursors? I use two Nikon bodies, different models. In both cases, I found that my keeper rate, more pictures in sharp focus, is higher with the center cursor. And my understanding is that the cameras are designed that way. But with that setting, I will need to crop more. Using an outer focus point, I can keep the head on an athlete towards the top of the frame.
1: Thanks. Yeah, this is, this is a good question. I don't think that the dead center cursor is any better than uh, no. any of the other cross sensors. I think that it's the cross sensor that you want. The cross sensor means that it can detect... This is a little bit over my head, but it can detect when it's in focus horizontally and vertically. And it does that by grabbing on to like a texture or an edge or something like that in whatever it is you're shooting. Not every single cursor point can be cross-type, so they they try to uh, spread them out as much as they can. I think on the older bodies, most of them are concentrated in towards the middle, which is what Nin is seeing, that the as you get further away from the center and you're not on the cross type ones anymore, then it is harder. It's not just fast moving, it's erratic moving because something can be very fast moving and predictable. And then the camera is going to be able to use even the regular non cross type one for that. But, the further you get out towards the edges of anything is low light. If there's not enough for it to grab onto, yes, you will lose focus. So you don't need to use the dead center one, but you need to look up in your manual or online or somewhere and figure out which ones are the cross type ones. And those are the ones that are going to be more reliable in those more erratic or lower light or, I guess, really bright light as well will cause it to come off i can say i I don't know everything about the d5 but i can definitely say that there are more focus points and there are more cross type focus points and the improvements just to the autofocus system in it is better it's probably a little bit before a lot of our listeners are going to be able to upgrade to d fives, but this will solve many of the problems that you're having right now. I can.
0: But by, by the latest gear, basically, that's what what you saying? Um
1: I hate to be the one to give that advice at all because I'm using. Some of the lenses, uh, you know, I still use an 85, 1.5 and a 135 F2 that aren't even AFS lenses. I hate to say, and I don't even know how old my fisheye is, but sometimes there is no substitute. If you're having a problem, there might not be any solution other than upgrading to that. But I don't think that's necessarily the case here. I think that just knowing which sensors are cross type will probably help you out a little bit. But in the end, everybody has to upgrade eventually.
0: You know, I'm just going to put a little bit to this it's it's a focusing thing and focusing is probably the most important thing in sportsography because they keep on moving and when you are shooting in sports where basically they move you know northwest and northwest and southeast in your frame it's very difficult i mean for instance if you're shooting fencing if you're just shooting from the side you basically basically just like move you know left and right left and right. that's all they how they move but if you're shooting you know any any sport that you know people move a lot you have to be really aware of like how you focus the d9 d21 thing and there's i think there's d51 on the nikon d3 i remember i used the d9 and that's the, nikon suggested it i mean, actually asked like nikon people as well they suggested to use a d9 and on the d4 they had this i think they had a d9 as one d4s had the group setting the group focusing and that's what i've been using so far and that works if it's d9 d21 i will use a d9 because I think less, less, uh, whatever it is, like the focus points, like the, the cursor points they have. Apparently, I forgot like exactly technical stuff because Matt knows what this sing a lot more than I do. But I remember the Nikon guy saying that it's much better, and I've tried it with D twenty one, D fifty one, D nine. Actually, did work the best, so I will stick with that.
1: Nikon has these technical documents. I guess I can put a link to that in the in the blog post for this episode that kind of walks you through what settings are best for what sports and it talks about all of these things. So um Rio can give you some more real world information, but I'll include that
0: link. Yeah, that's a guideline. Okay, so it's not like the end all like you have to use that setting. But Nikon does actually give you that and it will probably help you. Because focusing is a matter of preference. Like it's just everyone uses it differently. There's some similarities I think, but it really depends on how you feel when you focus more than anything else, you know? So you gotta try different settings and see how it goes. Last thing, focusing the longer you focus, by this is what I also heard from the Nikon people. The longer you focus on a subject, the more accurate the focus is. So if you are focusing on a particular subject and the subject is moving, the longer you actually have it in focus, the better focus will be. We can go in and talk about the focus lock and things like that, but that's kind of beyond this at this point. So if you have a question about focus lock, next episode we'll talk about that. But for now, that's it for Ninle's, uh, Ninle's question. It's a basic question month, so there's another basic question from Simon West. There are exceptions to everything, but should you generally use the standard ratios when cropping photos or crop to to each to suit each photo? Sorry. So I've heard you both talk about cropping to six by five or six by four or square. Is it better to stick to precisely to those ratios or do what suits each image? And I say, do what suits each image, but. I like the ratio that it comes out, so I try to fit in into that ratio. That's my thing. Yeah,
1: this is a good question. I think people don't know enough about cropping. I know Ryu doesn't know anything about cropping because he doesn't do it.
0: I don't know, but like I do. I, I do these days, but I definitely keep it on that ratio. I try it as much as possible. Two by three. I think it looks... Yeah, it looks, it looks the best. The
1: files that come out of cameras are two by three, um, and it's been that way since film, and or since 35 millimeter film anyway. Not six by five or six by four. I, I don't think... You no, know, six by four is two by three. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh, so, yeah, two. not six by five. So, yes, what's the golden ratio? That's, is that 16 five. by nine? I think it's close to sixteen by nine. Sixteen maybe.
0: by nine is like that's like movie stuff, isn't it? Right, maybe but that's like film.
1: that's like I I don't you know I don't know the history of this, but I think it's like that's the most when you look at a shape that's sixteen by nine. I think that's supposedly the most visually pleasing. That doesn't really work no, for for no. most photos and cameras don't do that. But I think the idea is that something that's more rectangular is going to be more visually pleasing than something that is square. Square, yeah, for sure. What's weird to me is that I, when people want prints, they want eight by tens because that's like a standard size you can get at any printer, and then you can find any frame off the shelf and just plug it in, and that's fine. But to me, eight by ten is a terrible, terrible, terrible ratio. Yeah, it's really and I, bad, I don't uh, like yeah. looking at it when I'm cropping for my portfolio or for you know a review gallery for a client or something like that. If all else fails, two by three. If I need to, you know, like if there's just too much on, too much space on the sides or something, then three by four is, is still acceptable. But when you get to eight by 10 or four by five, same thing, um, I just don't like how that looks at all. So I try to keep it to two by three or three by four. There are times when a square is good, it does remind people of Instagram or whatever, but. You know, you have to do what's right for the picture. You can't try to wedge the advice that we're giving you into every single picture that you take because sometimes you need to fit a little detail in that's going on and there's no other way to crop it. You have bodies that aren't four by five or two by three or whatever. So you need to use common sense, but I would I would start at two by three and then move more towards a square as you have to, but, but the default should be two by three or three by four.
0: Whatever the original ratio the the camera yeah. you know comes up with is yeah. the best one, but saying that like the compact cameras have a different ratio, so be for you know be careful. I know this for like I remember that one. Well, not I mean, DSLRs are the same, right? Yeah,
1: I mean compact cameras right. are different. Even the so. smaller the smaller sensor DSLR is still going to be two x yeah. three.
0: And lastly, it's by Tom Beery. I always try to shoot into the sun for silhouette and also a nice rim lighting around the subject's head. I expose for the skin here. However, in situations where you may have to shoot with side or back lighting, is it best to use of light by not blowing out any highlights or a more interesting image?
1: I don't like blowing out highlights at all. You know, they can they have their place just like everything else does, but I try to avoid them. So you want to expose for the highlights because it's certainly easier to bring up. If you need to bring up the shadows than it is to tone down highlights. I don't know about always trying to shoot into the sun. I mean, silhouettes are nice and rim lighting's nice. And shooting backlit is nice when, you know, if you're shooting in a stadium and the sun is on one side of the crowd, you want to shoot with that side of the crowd to your back so that, you, you know, the subject is going to pop because he's going to be getting more light than whatever's in the background. I think those are all important things to do. But I don't know about always because sometimes you get a really nice golden light and you want to take advantage of that. Uh, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I can just tell you, from experience, that you don't want to blow out the highlights for you know the the most part. You, you can if you're trying to do something, that's yeah. fine. But blowing out the highlights is annoying because it's very difficult to
0: fix later on. It really just like it's like whatever like advice we give when it's very there's like no definitive answer. Like this is really not like one plus one equals two. You know, it's not like that all the time. It could be three or it could be negative one at the end. So if you're always, if you always in a situation where you're shooting into the light all the time on a sunny day, it's always like that. I mean, you should definitely switch it You know, here and there so you get something else. I mean, it's nice to have silhouettes. It's nice to have rim, light, rim lighting. Um, you should switch it up. Because you then get a bit, you get too used to shooting that way and you don't really create anything else. And that's also not a good thing. You know? What I really advocate is that you don't try to get too comfortable in the same situation over and over and over and over and over. I guess that's really bad. You don't wanna you don't wanna keep on creating exactly the same image every single time you go and shoot sports. You wanna change it up all the time. You wanna create something more different, something different, something more interesting. So if you're shooting the same way all the time, yeah, I mean you should definitely change it. Blowing out highlights, yeah, I mean if it works in that particular situation, if you think that's gonna work, yeah, you should and vice versa if it doesn't work then don't do it. i mean if you don't think it looks good then don't do it if you think it looks good then do it there's like no really yes or no to these questions well we can definitely suggest your options you should try it this way you should you should you know you can not you really should but you can try it this way or you can try it the other way if you're gonna shoot something like this next time for in terms of like what the side or back lighting and if it's a uh, blown highlights and if it looks good then yeah sure I mean, show it to us. We'll love to see it. So just don't try to like limit yourself too much about it because it's not like, you know, our words are probably the most important words in sports photography. But saying that, you should always be flexible in the way you think about things because it's not a be-all, end-all of every, of every, you know, sports photography shooting situation. Thanks. And if you are a Patreon um, pledge person or people, please, 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 yeah, ask us questions. I mean, we are quite surprised we don't not, Many people ask us questions. I mean, you paid for; it. you should definitely ask.
1: I had so many questions when I was just starting out. I had questions about everything. Don't look at this as the questions make you look like you don't know what you're doing or something like that. Asking questions is what makes you end up knowing what you're doing. So, yeah. um, there has to be I mean, there has to be more questions the out shit there. Shit
0: that we have to like look at in training ground. The amount of questions we get. I mean, there should be like you know a <laughs> lot more.
1: <laughs> There's, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and even that, even that assignment desk, oh, like God. all of those people should be asking questions. Yeah.
0: Like you can even ask, like, what did you guys mean? Like, how do you get details? We didn't get any of that. Yeah. So that means you yeah. understand what we're talking about. If you don't understand, ask. That's really stupid that you, I don't know. Like, it's like you paid, to you paid and bought this really, you know, nice steak. You don't even cook it. or you don't even eat it. You know, just ask. It's better, you know?
1: Think we only say bad things about sports photography? Well, you might be right. You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're gonna prove you wrong with... Cross... Cut. Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes Ryu quiver with joy.
0: No, seriously, like, this month, Matt's gonna tell you, uh, okay, make it shorter. You know, like, you don't have to tell the whole thing. Just give it a brief description of what the photograph is about <laughs> just the uh, background. Okay, don't make it too long. The background. Because I don't think people want to hear this whole like essay of it. Just I think they give do. a very objective all right. view on the whole thing. All right. Uh, yes. Okay.
1: The gist of this is that there is a Facebook group of people who don't like me and they have what they consider to be a point that rather than me shooting with a 7200 and getting as close as I can to what I'm shooting, that I should be standing at the fence shooting my 400 because it's the same thing. In the process of making their point, one of these idiots got a picture of me running away from a horse and riding the horse is a a bronc rider dressed as a minion we will post it on the blog post for the podcast so you can see it for yourselves it's really something
0: All right so you're done i so obviously you know like he asked me before the show started like what do you think about the photo? i loved it
1: i didn't ask and, you what you thought of the picture i was using it as a point
0: well it doesn't matter i love it <laughs> and the point that i made is that i've never seen a photo of rodeo in that you basically see how close the photographers are relative to the action the photographer
1: and, you know, not photographers whatever like, singular you know, this is an important this time point around,
0: there's only one person so this matt cohen basically running and i'm looking at it from a you know like a basically like a objective person i don't really have anything on it i don't really care if matt hates me because i were in that group anyway so i'm looking at it and i'm looking at it it's like yeah it's good i like it and there's kind of like a bit of a danger involved in the whole thing because he's a you know photographer running you know away and here's a crazy uh, guy uh, with a minion suit on with a cra- even crazier horse barreling right at him. So I like that. I don't really, I'm not too crazy about the guy in the background. You see the guy all the way in the back with a pink shirt on and that does bother me.
1: That's the best part of the whole picture is that this is the difference between what I do and what they do.
0: Yeah, but see, you're now, you're too subjective. Like, it, I, yes. objectively speaking, I'm looking at it. I'm just the guy, the guy in the, bo- like, the background bothers me, bothers me, like, much enough. I wish the, I, I don't know, like, what f-stop the person actually shot this with did. Like, it could have been a bit blurrier. But overall, it kind of gives you the suspense of, like, the, like, really, like, the, the horse charging at the photographer. And I like it. I think it's a good shot. But obviously, Matt Cohen has something else to say about this one.
1: Well, I, you know, looking at it objectively is a, photograph, if you take away any kind of photographic skill or anything like that, it's an interesting picture, right? Uh, It's not every day that you see somebody dressed as a minion riding a saddle bronc horse. Other than that, what are we talking about? Well, it's somebody who is standing up rather than, you know, really going for it. It is crooked. (laughs) The crowd, I don't know, the guy standing up in the background, you know, as a photograph, don't want that. And I, yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't know. I I think Ryu likes minions, and I think that's you know really the beginning and the end of
0: it. I mean, I you know I'm not really too partial to the minions, but I think it's um yeah I I I like it, and yeah the one the the two main things that does really bother me really is the guy in the background and the fact that it's crooked, and if you crop it, then the hand goes away, and the hand the right hand is quite crucial to the whole not the right hand of the, uh, the minion, but the right hand of the photographer so that would just kind of take everything out so that's a shame we'd like to see more of these but if i join the matt cohen haters group on facebook i'll probably get to see more of these which i'm i would like to but apparently i can't join because i'm already friends with matt and he said that if you're any way related to him then there's no way and chance i can get into this matt cohen haters club it just this sucks they should be more open to the outsiders you know i'm fine with it. I. i did actually tell him that i should you know unfriend him so i can actually get him but even that's not gonna even work because you know you have to know people in the group in order you have to get invited and i'm not a cowboy
1: I, the funniest thing is you would be my number one hater if you were in there
0: oh i totally will be so yeah look at this, look at this so, shitty photo this guy's taking yeah you know? they're lost yeah so that's a special edition of uh cross counter i hope you enjoyed it i'm sure i'm sure we'll see more like i would like to see a series like matt coin running away from whatever blah 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 blah, blah. we really love to see it. listen you know?
1: that's already in motion right if they got really one, I'd love yeah to see i it. mean if they got one then you know the one of these idiots is going to be at every rodeo i shoot it's going to happen i
0: i want to see quality like this i don't want to like you know have this guy like shooting from like you know really far away and claiming that, like, I need, like, the other photographer need to get in there as well. Just to, to show that Matt Cohen is running away from whatever it is. I would love that.
1: Well, I don't think there's any danger of that happening.
0: I'm telling you, Rudy photographers <laughs> are t- Look at this. It's crazy. It's shooting some so far away. <laughs> but that's it with uh, Cross Counter. And by the way we have a um, thing called training ground just in case you've never actually been here before and that is where you go to our flickr group page so just go to flickr.com and search for big lens fast shutter and this should be a thread for the latest training ground and what it is you basically are able to post up to two photos per month and we will criticize your photos really in a way that will probably make you cry but like you know, you know like tears of joy hopefully those videos can be seen on youtube as well so if you go to youtube.com and search for big lens fast shutter you'll be able to actually find the past training ground and you'll be able to see it and see you get a you know grip of like what's going on so that is training ground and yeah and that's that's free like it's zero dollars i mean it's good huh like nothing is better than free except for matt corn running from you know whatever it is he's running from it's cool ha 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 And with that, we end the 54th episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. Can't do this without you, my beautiful, wonderful listeners. And obviously, Rob with two Bs, our spectacular producer, Extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at BigLensFastShutter.com so you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And last but not least, if you have that dollar in your pocket, please go to patreon.com slash b-l-f-s. That is is dot slash b-l-f-s. To recap, Facebook, blog, iTunes, and Patreon. Rings, repeat, love us more. See you next month. That's the best tease I've ever done in my life, I think. My God, did I record it?
1: Oh, I had to record
0: it. Oh, thank God. <clears throat>